So Beethoven knew exactly that he had written his greatest piano sonata until now, and there is a gap of four years before he dares to write another one. He has also had other difficulties, personal difficulties, and, and health-wise, really, his deafness is, is an ever-increasing problem. And yet, after four years, in 1809, he comes up with the most wonderful and very different sonata, the sonata in F-sharp major, opus 78, dedicated for, for Teresa Brunswick, the Countess Teresa von Brunswick, and there had been many speculations w whether she was the immortal beloved, or it could have been somebody else, but it's evident in this piece that this is, this is like a declaration of love. It's his most lyrical sonata. It couldn't be more different from the one that you have just heard. It's dif difficult to imagine that uh, two such different sonatas uh, could come from the same pen. Uh, the tonality of F-sharp major is already quite extraordinary because it, it has six sharps and six accidentals, so it's a very complicated tonality, and uh, even today, but those days the publisher was thinking very much in terms of trying to sell a new composition for, for amateurs who, who love to play, and uh, many amateurs would find uh, six sharps a little bit too much to handle. Uh, there is one beautiful string quartet of Haydn. Yeah. Opus 76, number 5. And this, this slow movement is in F sharp. In German, Speaking countries, they call this the, the Friedhof Quartet, the cemetery quartet, because there are so many crosses in it. <laughs> uh, so, this Beethoven sonata is extraordinary, and again, it's not, not composed to, to make an impression. It's not really... A, a concert piece, it's again like, like Opus 54, not really well known and not so much liked by the public, but Beethoven loved it and he was very angry uh, that he remarked once, why, why do people like my C-sharp minor sonata so much? You know, you remember this one? I don't say the Moonlight Sonata because it's not the Moonlight Sonata, it's the C-sharp minor sonata. So Beethoven said, People rave about my C-sharp minor sonata, but the F-sharp major is much greater. Uh, it starts with four bars marked adagio.
So on, a, on an F-sharp pedal point, this wonderful melody emerges. And we will never hear it again. This is extraordinary because it's so beautiful. I would love to hear it again, but it will not. It doesn't come. Uh, then he starts a beautiful lyrical allegro, ma non troppo. Unlike the appassionata here, the exposition is very well repeated. Both parts are being repeated. So there is no huge drama in this music, but it's, it's, it's beautifully lyrical and uh, full, of, full of joy, full of tenderness. So it shows a very different side of Beethoven. Beethoven is not, not just the composer of the Appassionata or of the Eroica or the Fifth Symphony, but he, he was also capable of the greatest tenderness and, and lyricism. We should not, never forget that. And it's a very ambitious sonata because these different elements and parts are so so easily are seemingly easily connected. Uh, we have again rhythmically uh, crotchets, uh, quarter note movement. Then we have a motive in semi-quavers and triplets. And if you look at motivically, as I stop now, always these three notes, and this introduction adagio, sort of. The introduction gives us the, these molecules, the, the atoms that will be important later on. So, uh, 
Let's go into the development section. is one of the most beautiful melodies of Beethoven and I can fully understand why he felt so close to this sonata. Uh, but we can feel that in this period after the Appassionata and on the threshold of the very late sonatas, things get more and more concentrated. He needs less and less time to get from one station to the next. And uh, this whole development section just plays with the main rhythm of always this tam pa pam pam pa pam, but again using the different registers and different instruments of the orchestra. Um, the second movement of this sonata is also the final movement. This is again a sonata in two movements, deliberately so. It's not an unfinished sonata, it's not like Schubert's B minor symphony. He wanted this to be in two movements. And this is again not a tragic and not even a lyrical movement, but, but a humorous movement. It goes like this. this here. Uh, and he wrote, he knew this very well because he, he had written variations on this theme. I'm not sure what, which was first, and, and this sonata or the variations, but it's certainly no coincidence. Um, so, with question and answer and, and short motives. And then comes this, uh, which is made of little slurs of two notes slurred together, which must be articulated very, very exactly, even exaggeratedly. So I deliberately shorten them. It's not 
not my idea because Schnabel, who plays this sonata better than anybody, he does it too. So. <laughs> Always these little inserts come, made of these two notes, and so if if you take the first two notes of the soprano part and make a diminution of that, then you get this little. Let's go on. Contrary motion. So first we were ascending, and now we are descending. We are in D sharp major. So what a crazy key! But and now comes another motif. It's again the Mannheim rocket that we know. Or like so, yonder. And this in, in, incredible, incredible changes between loud and soft and minor and major and. comes a, a dissonance that you, you would not expect. And now these inserts with the two-note slurred motifs, they get longer and longer, these cadenzas. It's a combination of, of sonata form and rondo form. Now we get the theme in the subdominant, etc., etc. So, just uh, the last time. Now it's in different registers and legato. Funny and very, very unusual and original. Nothing to be expected. 